As you're being seated, go ahead and find your Bibles. We're going to be in Luke chapter 12 today and Matthew chapter 25. Hey, just before service began, I got a text here from Vince Smith. He's one of our members who is on a mission trip right now in Puerto Rico, and uh, Kimberly, his wife, back there. And uh, he, he texted me and said that they have had 10 adult salvations during the mission trip, and they had four today. Uh, in Puerto Rico there. And so I got this wild idea, and that is maybe we could send just a little video message to encourage that mission team as they are in Puerto Rico, okay? So whenever I say we're rejoicing at those that have come to know the Lord, you guys like really rejoice, okay? So here we go. Y'all ready? All right, we're going to do a little video message. Everybody, Everybody ready? Smile. Sit up straight. Wake up. Here we go. Hey, Vince and all the mission team that is in Puerto Rico, we are just rejoicing during our worship services at the fact that there are 10 new believers and four today that have come to the Lord, and so we just want to say amen, and we rejoice, don't we, church? And so we pray for their continued maturity and growth, and we pray for a safe trip back, and we're thankful for what you guys are doing there in Puerto Rico. God bless. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. There you go. You guys are stars. How about that? Now, you may, you may have to prepare yourself for all the paparazzi that will be following you around after shooting that video, but here's a question for you. Why does God bless us with talents and resources? Why does God bless us with talents and resources? Now, this is a huge question because most of us struggle to find perspective and balance on this issue. There are many people that live their entire lives scared because you're afraid that you're going to run out of money. You're afraid that somehow you're going to wind up out on the street and just alone. And then there are others that maybe you've achieved some level of financial security, but you also live afraid because someone's going to take it from you or somehow you're going to lose it. There are some who believe that God blesses us so that we can live large. And so the whole reason why God blesses me is so that uh, I can just collect things and experiences. And tied into our culture is the idea that the ultimate goal of life is to be comfortable to relax and to just eventually reach a point where you can play it safe. Still others probably will not say this out loud, but somewhere within you, when it comes to blessings and things that you have, you think, well, God has nothing to do, it, do with it. I've worked for it. It's mine. It belongs to me. It's, it's mine. It's like my three-year-old. I Gave him some M&Ms the other day. Put him in a little cup, just the way he demanded it, that little tyrant. Anyway, I gave it to him, and, uh, and it was the right color cup and everything. And so he had his little cup of M&Ms, and I was like, hey, Camden, can I have one? He looks at me and goes, mine, mine, no, you can't have. I was like, but I was the one that gave them to you. He's like, they're mine. And, and sometimes that's how we are whenever it comes to the Lord. We in our minds think that it all is, is mine. But the Christians should have a Romans 11.36 perspective when it comes to our talents and resources. Here's what the Bible says there. For from him and through him and to him are all things. For from him and through him and to him are 
all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. So as a Christian, we have this perspective that everything that I have ultimately comes from God, and I am to invest it and use it in such a way that it brings glory to him, not just for a short season of time, but I'm to make investments in the eternal kingdom. And so we realize that we are deeply blessed people and that what we have comes from God. Now I should say, it is okay to enjoy your life. Being a Christian does not mean that you can't have fun. Being a Christian does not mean that you can't have nice things. But at the same time, we realize this. God blesses me so that I may be a blessing. And the goal is that I might use my life and my resources in such a way that it makes much of God. So we're in this series right now that we've been calling the spiritual disciplines. And remember, the spiritual disciplines are things that you need to do if you desire to grow spiritually. Now, do not fall into this mistake in thinking that just because you do these things that you automatically are going to grow spiritually. Spiritual growth is ultimately a work of God that begins in your heart and then transforms your life. However, people that are growing spiritually do some things. There are spiritual disciplines that people who are growing spiritually do. And so you'll see that contained within the word discipline is the word disciple. And so thus far, we've talked about several things. We've talked about the importance of reading your Bible every day, abiding in God's Word. We talked about the importance of learning to live with simplicity of heart and to uncomplicate your heart. Last week, we talked about the Sabbath principle, how important it is to have a quiet time every day where we pray and read the Bible. And we also talked about this principle of fasting. Whenever these big moments in life come upon you where you just fast and you really try to tune in and hear from God. And today I want to talk to you about three more spiritual disciplines. And these disciplines really have to do with your perspective, how you see the world around you. But as you begin to employ these disciplines into your life, they begin to shape your behavior and allow you to live your life in some really dynamic, powerful ways for the Lord. And so I want to talk to you today about the spiritual disciplines of generosity, faith, and hope. And my prayer is that God will use two parables today to really shape our thinking and our perspective on these subjects. The first parable is found in Luke chapter 12. It is a sordid story of greed. Jesus encounters a family, and they are fighting. And what they are fighting over is the inheritance. Few things in life get more sloppy than a family that is arguing and fighting over an inheritance. And they want Jesus to be the referee. And so Jesus says to them, Watch out and be on guard against all greed, because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. Now the English teachers in the house today will be really happy with the Lord here. Because he begins this passage with a thesis statement. 
You remember whenever you were in school, the English teacher always teach you to begin your paper with a thesis statement, and then the rest of the paper kind of magnifies the thesis statement? Well, that's what Jesus begins here, okay? So he's talking on the subject of greed and the fact that our life will not be measured in how many possessions that we collect. And then he tells them a parable. Look at verse 16. A rich man's land was very productive. And he thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. So here's the scenario. There's a successful man. He had his own land, and that day and time, that was a big deal. He farmed the land. It was a large economy. He probably worked very, very hard for many years to achieve what he had. One day, he really makes it big. We're not sure what happened. Maybe he invented miracle growth. I don't know. But suddenly, he has more than he could ever imagine. He just has wealth and crops that are pouring in. Oh, what to do. Now, some of us say, I'll take his problem. I'll be glad to take his problem. So what's he going to do? Well, he decides that he's going to tear down everything that he has, tear down his barns, and build bigger barns with the goal that once he does this, he will have so much that he's collected that he can spend the rest of his days taking it easy, eating, drinking, and enjoy himself. He's going to basically spend the rest of his life just relaxing. Verse 20, But God said to him, You fool! This very night your life is demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? That's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. When I read that first part where God said to him, you fool, I think I heard somebody go, whoo, you know, why? Because it stings when God calls you a fool, okay? It stings when Jesus says, what you're doing is foolish, and then the Holy Spirit inspires it to be a part of Holy Scripture. <laughs> that hurts, right? Well, what were the problems with this man? I mean, we look at his story, we're like, well, what's the big deal here? He, he did really well, he decided to tear down his barns and big, bigger barns, you know, what's the big deal? Well, problem number one. He had hope misplaced. All he could see was the here and now. He wasn't able to see the eternal perspective. And so he began to think that his hope would be found in eating, drinking, and just taking it easy. And so he placed his hope and his faith in that vision. Problem number two, generosity misplaced. Rather than taking what he had and using it in such a way that it could make a difference, a difference in the world around him and a difference in the eternal kingdom, instead he hoarded what he had and he desired to be rich towards himself. Problem number three, faith misplaced. He had been blessed, but he was void of faith. There was no risk. There was no investment. 
All there was was a desire to protect what he had. A misplaced perspective leads to a misplaced life. Now, part of me feels bad for the guy. He had worked so hard. He had so many plans. He was going to travel the country in his RV chariot. (laughs) He couldn't wait. I mean, all these days that he worked so hard out there in the field, and, and he didn't even realize that he was dying. In fact, Jesus says, this is the last day on earth for him. And so everything he had, everything he had lived for, everything that he had dreamed of, every, his entire life was ultimately going to be left behind because he had lived his entire life for the temporary. Now, remember the context. You have a family that's fighting over the inheritance. So Jesus essentially says all that he lived for was going to be left behind, and then the kids were going to fight over it, and then they'll probably spend it all in a year. That was going to be the ultimate result of his life. So now let's ask this question. What could he have done differently? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14. Understand this. God doesn't want you to honor him with just a portion of your life. God wants you to invest all of your life so that you have but one goal, and that is to honor God in everything. So whenever you take inventory of your life, Basically, every area, whether it's your parenting, your career, your financial resources, your abilities, your time, God wants you to invest your life into his spiritual kingdom so that he might multiply your influence and multiply your life in such a way that it brings glory to him. And so we have this parable in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14. For it is just like a man going on a journey. He called his own slaves and turned over his possessions to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. Then he went on a journey, and immediately the man who received five talents went, put them to work, and earned five more. In the same way, the man with two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, I love this parable. If you've sat under my preaching for very long, you know that I reference it quite often because this was a parable that, particularly about 12 years ago, God really buried deep within my heart. It's one of those parables that I try not to get too far away from because there's so much spiritual meat within it. In the parable, you have a wealthy man. He's going on a journey, and so he takes his financial estate, he takes his estate, and he divides up the responsibilities. So the first guy comes in, and he meets with the master. This guy is absolutely sick with talent. My mind, I picture he speaks five languages. He plays ten instruments. He can sing. He can preach. He's tall. He's built like Leighton Vander Esch of the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, he, he is just oozing with talent and ability. He just looks like a leader. And so the master looks at him and says, I'm going to take five talents, five talents of my resources, and I'm going to give it to him to see what he can do with it. The second guy comes in, 
He's not as talented as the first guy. He's more like a fifth-round draft pick. (laughs) But he's responsible. He's not a bad guy. He's a faithful guy. And so the master looks at him and says, okay, I'm going to take two talents of my estate, and I'm going to invest it in him. And then the third guy shows up. He's late for the meeting. He shows up. His eyes are all bloodshot because he's been playing Fortnite all night long. He's got his bathrobe on still, maple syrup on the bathrobe, and he comes in apologizing and everything. And so the master looks at him and says, what am I going to do with this guy? He's my (laughs) brother-in-law. Got to do something, keep the wife happy. So I'll give him one talent. So here you go, buddy. Here's a talent. I'm going on a journey Let's see what you do with it. Well, the parable continues. After a long time, so it's been a while, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. And the man who had received five talents approached. He presented five more talents and said, Master, you gave me five talents. Look, I've earned five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful over a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. So you see what happened here. This man took what was given to him, invested it in a way that God multiplied it. When the master came back, he presented that to the master, and now the master is willing to give him even more blessing. I'll give you more things, and he's also extending to him his joy. So now he's also receiving the joy of his master. Verse 22, then the man with two talents also approached, and he said, Master, you gave me two talents. Look, I've earned two more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. And then the man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You are a difficult man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. Look, you have what is yours. Now let me ask you this question. What was motivating him? What was motivating him? You got it right. Not a trick question. Fear. Master, I was afraid. I was afraid of you. I was afraid I would waste what you had given me. I I was afraid that I I don't have much. I'm not very talented. You only gave me one talent. I, I, I was afraid that I didn't really have anything to invest. And so what I did is I just took what you gave me and I I hid it in the ground. And now I'm giving it back to you. But his master replied to him, verse 26. You evil, lazy slave, if you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gathered where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited the money with the bankers. And when I returned, I would have received my money back with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have, catch this, more than enough. Everyone who has and is investing what God has given them, 
God will bless you with more and you will have more than enough and you will share in the master's joy to go back earlier into the story. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him and throw this good-for-nothing slave into the outer darkness in that place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, as I said, there's a lot of meat in this parable, and we could talk about it for a long time. But I want to share with you three thoughts. You might even want to write them down or store them somewhere in your notes on your phone, but three thoughts about this parable. The first is this. God has been generous to you so that you may be rich towards God. God has been generous to you so that you might be rich towards God. There's an exercise that I did, I was encouraged to do a long time ago that is a very profitable thing. You take a piece of paper and fold it in half, and on one side, write down all the challenges that you're facing today in your life those big challenges, and on the other side, begin writing down all the blessings that you have in your life, all the things for which you are thankful. And you'll discover, as I did, that we are deeply, deeply blessed people. God has given us resources. He's given us experiences. He's given us people that we love and people that love us, and we are deeply, deeply blessed people. Now, some of us in the room today Hopefully you're not just saying, it's me, it's me, it's me. But some of us in the room, you may be five-talent superstars. God has blessed you with all sorts of ability and all sorts of talent. Some of us in the room today, you're a two-talent person. And some in the room would say, hey, Lash, I'm kind of just the one-talent person. I don't really feel like I have a lot to offer. I'm just the one-talent guy. How God chooses... To divide the talents is not the issue here. The issue is, what are you doing with the blessings that he has entrusted to you? What are you doing, whether you have much or whether you have little? What are you doing with your finances to honor God? What are you doing with your talents to honor God? What are you doing with your time, with your experiences to honor God? Don't be envious of other people's lives. Envy is your enemy. Faith is your friend. Take the life God has blessed you with and invest it in his kingdom. And when you take the life that God has given you and you start investing that life in the kingdom of God, you'll be amazed at how God can multiply your life beyond anything that you ever envisioned. And then as God begins multiplying your life and your influence and you begin making a significant invest or a significant impact in the kingdom of God because you're living your life in a way that's rich towards God, you'll begin experiencing the master's joy. And you'll begin discovering that there is great delight and joy in the things that honor God. When we talk about 10 people being saved on a Puerto Rico mission trip, your heart will just swell with joy because your heart is invested in the kingdom of God. When we talk about a family from Vietnam that was baptized in our services last week, your heart will just explode with joy because your heart is invested in the things of the Lord. Whenever you open the Word of God and you see the truth of Scripture and it jumps off the pages and just lands in your heart, you will receive it. 
as one that is starving, receiving nourishment. Why? Because your life has been invested in the kingdom of God. And when your life is invested in the kingdom of God, you enjoy the blessings of the Master. And He extends to you His perspective and His kingdom. And you begin discovering that the great joys of life are often found in areas that we never see them. The great joys of life are found in places that we didn't plan, we didn't think about, but God brings to us. Now there's a second truth here. Faith is not about collecting blessings, but investing blessings into God's eternal economy. Life is not about hoarding things. The goal of life is not simply to play it safe, and life's not even always fair. God calls us to live our life with faith, and faith demands of us risk. It demands that we let go and we trust God. And that God is going to take us to places and put us in, in opportunity situations that we may not even have control over. But faith demands of us risk. Faith requires that you and I invest the totality of our talents. All five, all two, all one. The totality of our talents and then to trust God to take care of us, to lead us, to multiply those talents and to use our life for His glory. Statement three. Placing your hope in temporary things is foolish living, but hope invested in eternal things is a life well lived. There's such a thing as hope. It's one of the foundational thoughts of Scripture. And that hope is grounded in the truth of eternity. When the only hope that you possess is temporary, then you will spend your life investing in temporary hope. And the travesty of that life is that everything that you live for and everything that you collect will ultimately be gone one day. And it perhaps will even be squandered by those that you leave it to. But when you have eternal hope and you begin making investments in those things that last forever then you have a life that never ends. You have a life that continues to have legacy long after you are gone because your life touches eternity. What a travesty it would be to bury the opportunity that God has entrusted to you beneath rocks of greed, selfishness, and pride. And to the man who built bigger barns in order that he might just eat, drink, and be merry, God said the harsh words, you fool. That's not what life is all about. To the man who took what God gave him and buried it, the man who polished the monument of fear while faith rotted inside, God says take that life void of faith, void of risk, void of vision, and throw it into the darkness. Because I demand of my followers that you follow me in faith and that you trust me. But to the person who took what God had entrusted to him, whether large or small, but you took that that blessing and you invested it in the kingdom of God. You said, Lord, here's my life. 
Use it. Multiply it. Make much of it. Use it in a way that lasts forever. To that person, when the master returned, the Lord said, Well done. Well done. You did good. You were faithful. You say, Lash, what does God want from me? He wants you. Faith is the act of giving yourself to God totally. He wants you. But God also loves you. And so when you give yourself to Him, you're giving yourself to the One who created you and the One who loves you. The One who created you on purpose for a purpose. And so when you invest the totality of yourself in the Lord, and you say, Lord, just take my life and use it however you want, you begin to find your creative purpose. And when you find your creative purpose, you can begin taking those circumstances of your life and placing them in the sovereign hands of God, knowing that God can take any circumstance and work it for His good and your good, and God can use you according to His purposes in ways that last forever. He wants you to trust Him. The beginning point of trust is your salvation. There's never been that day in your life where you've trusted in Jesus as Savior and Lord I invite you to make today that day. I'll be here at the front during this last song. I'll be here after the service as well. And if there's never been that moment of salvation in your life, I want to talk to you. Most of us in this room today, we're believers in Christ. And I want you to know that your Lord loves you. And He wants, you to, he wants to use your life in a way that lasts forever. And He desires for you to spend your life in a way that is rich towards God. And when you do that, He will multiply your life and He will use you. So now is the time to trade our greed for generosity, our fear for faith, our hopelessness for hope. Would you be so kind as to bow your heads with me, please, as we come to a time of commitment. Paul and the musicians will lead us in a song and I'll be here at the front if there's anything that I may pray with you about. Heavenly Father, we read these words of Scripture today and they're pointed because the words that we read today conflict with many of the things that we've been taught since we were children Many of the things that we hear about every day in the news or through social media, the things that others say life is all about. But Father, we want to be followers of Jesus Christ. And so Lord, we ultimately live a different life. And I pray that you might open our hearts and help us to realize that you desire from us that we would invest the totality of our lives in your kingdom and that when we're willing to do that, you can multiply our life, you extend to us your joy, and you use us in ways that go beyond anything we can imagine. Lord, help us not to be envious of other people's lives and blessings. Whether we have five, two, or one talent, Help us to invest that in the kingdom, to be rich towards God, 
And Lord, may we have the great, great joy of seeing you multiply it, of seeing eternity touched and people's lives changed. It's in Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we worship. Amen.